Good morning, Georgetown Christian. <clears throat> um, so today is one of those days we're celebrating mamas, right? Celebrate? Okay, if you didn't know. It's Mother's Day. Yeah, and you cannot leave now to go get a card. Um, <clears throat> is this on? I'm just searching, and I want to find my friend, and I want to get a head nod, but I can't see. There's too many lights. Yes, okay. Oh, thank you for the hint. <clears throat> Okay. <clears throat> okay. Mother's Day, yes. Uh, all of this stuff that's coming out of my face, I know you enjoy it too. Welcome to the Ohio Valley, right? It's a good time for some. <clears throat> but we celebrate Mother's Day today, and um, I think of Mother's Day in this specific way uh, because I think this is what moms do. So I was um, <clears throat> about to take our wedding vows with my wife, Andrea, and we're standing in front of our church together, and my pastor says to me, Chris, would you take a bullet for Andrea? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure, for sure, I would do that, yeah. And he says, great, and I'm like, what am I going to say in front of the whole church, right? Of course you're going to say yes. And he said, that's easy though, because what's hard is taking out the trash. And I was like, uh, yes, I'll take out the trash. And then he went on and he made it even worse, right? He said like, take out the trash when you don't want to, when it's not your turn, do the dishes, when you had nothing to do with the dishes, right? They're not even your fault. You didn't use dishes, right? And like, maybe you should contribute to other household chores that are just not your job, right? Because that is what it means to die for someone. It's the daily dying. And I think that's kind of what we try to celebrate on Mother's Day that our moms all do for us, or most of us, right? So for some of you, Mother's Day might have been like the, the smell of fresh baked cookies on the table when you got off the bus, right? And some moms are feeling judged. Like, just don't, okay? Like, Chips Ahoy were great when I was in first grade too, okay? I happen to like this generic brownie from the generic grocery store called Mad Pricer, and I just loved those brownies. It wasn't until like 20 years later I found out they were 99 cents, and that's why I bought them. Well, we were in love with them, right? Maybe a memory of mom that you celebrate is the edges of the bologna sandwich being taken off for you, right? The crust removed, or the note in the backpack, or the lunchbox, or the mom who just lends a listening ear when it's really past late 30 at night, and the kid is finally ready to talk. I think it was in fifth grade I found out that towels and sheets also get washed. Did anybody else make it past fifth grade before you found out, like, mom and dad do that for you? I had no idea. But it's not, uh, <clears throat> it's not every one of us that enjoys, like, a Hallmark movie mom. Um, maybe some of us didn't exactly have uh, <clears throat> Martha Stewart in our kitchen or decorating our house. Uh, maybe for some of us, we didn't dream of becoming a mom the way that it's going today. So we're aware today of people who are maybe here, or maybe you know them and they're not here, who for them, childhood had some dark places, right? They had a safe house that they would run to. Maybe for some of us, um, there are people you know and people who are strategically not here because of that, <clears throat> that long journey of infertility where you have the mirage of hope spring up time and again, and you just find yourself traveling down a road that appears to have no end, and it feels lonely, and no one understands, and they try to help, and it feels worse. I believe there's hope. Whatever storyline you're closest to today, 
And for guys, I get it, like you're not a mom, right? But you still have spots in your past that are dark, and you still have places in your future that are unclear, and you still have times of the day where you would rather trust your feelings. But we have to come back into this place and be reminded that there's a king, there's a Lord who sits on his throne, who sent his spirit, who's provided a miraculous work for each of us that allows us to trust his faithfulness. So today we discuss, will I trust my feelings or will I trust God's faithfulness? And we have three examples from scripture, kind of cool, they're actually moms. So uh, we'll jump into those after I pray. Heavenly Father, illuminate your word to our hearts. Renew our hearts and minds. Speak to us by your Spirit. Then we pray. Amen. So if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, I would like to summarize some because I want to talk about three moms today, and I want to talk about um, a large portion of their life story, maybe not the whole thing, and I want to be out of here in time to make a great lunch for mom, right? And all the dads are like, yeah, yeah, make lunch. That's right. That's what we're doing today. Uh, So the first one we're going to talk about is the first mother in the book of the Bible, and her name is Eve. Uh, So many of you already know so much of this story. But consider what God might want to do today through a story that you're familiar with. So Eve's two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is like in charge of the fields, right? Abel in charge of the flocks. So fields and flocks, and Cain brings his offering to the Lord. And then Abel brings his offering, his firstborn of the flock and his fat of the flock to the Lord. The Lord is pleased, very pleased, with Abel's offering. However, with Cain's, Not so much. Cain, in fact, receives a rebuke, and the Lord tells him, like, be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. It wants to to rule you, but you must rule over it. Cain has an opportunity to trust God's faithfulness or his feelings, and we see in the rest of chapter 4 there that Cain gets way into his feelings and kills his brother, Abel. So we have Eve, this mother, who's now faced with the choice. Is she going to trust her feelings or is she going to trust in God's faithfulness? Some of you may understand uh, just, I'm sorry, it seems like yesterday, it wasn't, Um, but Andrea and I were trying to learn about the Georgetown area. So we would type in Georgetown Christian Church into Google. Yes, it existed back then. And, uh, And what would come up, however, was Georgetown Community Church. And so some of you may have gone there I will be tender, I promise. But uh, this church was wrought by a murder, much like what I think probably happened in the lives of Cain and no longer Abel and Adam and Eve. That church no longer exists. See, David Cam's family was murdered. Some people in that church thought it was David Cam. Some people thought it was an accomplice. Really difficult situation. People took sides. People had opinions. People obviously had feelings. And they held on to those feelings really tightly. And maybe for some of you today, that specific situation, you're in fact still living in those feelings. 
Maybe you've chosen to trust God's faithfulness and you're no longer living in that feeling. But for that church, the story ended. And that church is no longer here to proclaim God's faithfulness because so many people lived in those feelings. <clears throat> Cain followed his heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Cain trusted that heart. Eve, however, what about Eve? We're looking at three stories in the Bible about moms who either trusted their feelings or trusted God's faithfulness. Eve, we see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed Abel. So Eve had the very same opportunity to dwell on that disaster that came to her family. No doing of her own. It wasn't Eve's fault. Eve had the opportunity then to trust her feelings or to trust God's faithfulness. <clears throat> I can't tell you here that there was like an ABC family reunion. I can't tell that there was a, a lifetime movie made of Eve and Cain and everything felt good because we don't have that in Scripture. We do have evidence that Eve trusted God. She believed that Seth came from God. So in our own lives, maybe there's not a murder in your family, but maybe there's abuse. Maybe you're sure of that abuse. Maybe you've seen that abuse destroy people you love. Maybe that abuse was by people you used to love. Maybe in your life there's been theft. We'll talk about that in a second. But there was deceit. Maybe there was jealousy. Maybe there was some end-of-life issues that came up with somebody, and they didn't handle them like you thought they should have been handled. And so you let all this anger come up and affect and maybe even tell you how to behave towards those loved ones. I don't know what your family situation is, but I am here to ask you this morning to consider you're here for a reason. You believe that what is preached in this church is true. You believe that what you read in your Bible, inspired and authoritative, we say, Lord of our lives, you believe it's true. Are you living in your feelings, or are you trusting his faithfulness? Okay, so <clears throat> we've all encountered a bad parent at one time or another, probably, um, and I don't mean a bad parent like we have, um, I went through social media and just grabbed a couple of pictures of terrible results of parents. So, um, our first bad parent wouldn't let her eat Lysol wipes for dinner. Horrible parent, obviously. Big drama here. And poor little Charlie. Somebody ate all the muffins. It was him. Um, and then we've got Billy. Uh, he has a cereal bar in his left hand, and he wants it in his right hand. Horrible parents. Oh, my gosh. So I don't mean parents who, like, forgot to put a helmet on their kid before they rode their bike around the driveway. I don't, I don't mean bad like that. I mean bad like Rebecca. If you want to follow along, I'll be in Genesis 24, 5, 6, 7, but I would like to summarize if that's okay. Anybody got a pot roast in? You need to get out of the oven, right? I'm going to summarize, okay? So Rebecca and Isaac, <clears throat> they each, okay, it wasn't just Rebecca, 
They each favored one of their children. Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. Well, one day, uh, towards the end of <clears throat> Isaac's life, Rebekah overhears Isaac talking to Esau, saying, hey, I'm getting towards the end of my life. My eyes are growing dim. I want you to go to the field. And I want you to bring me uh, something you've killed and prepare it for me, and then I want to give you your blessing. Isaac goes to the field, right? Well, Rebecca overhears this, and Rebecca decides, this is my chance. She decides that she's going to plot to steal and then help get away with a blessing that is not due to Jacob. So she drags her son into this family deceit disaster. She clothes him in animal skins. She cooks a meal. Now, Jacob's complicit in all this garbage, okay? He's not innocent. Jacob goes along with it. In fact, Jacob starts making the same lies that his mother encourages him to make. He's lying to his dad. He receives his dad's blessing. And then he runs off before Esau gets home. Esau gets home, and only then does Isaac discover that he's been deceived by his own wife, by his own son. True disaster. I'm not saying it's murder, but it's kind of bad too, though, right? Because like your wife deceived you, your son deceived you, and you've still got to live with one of them, and the other one ran away. So it's kind of like a death, because he's gone. So Isaac and Rebekah, favoritism, she adds manipulation and deceit to favoritism because Rebekah, <clears throat> I think like our culture would tell us, Rebekah tries to follow her heart, right? She wants, to, she wants to live her best life now, familiar? You can see this garbage on a Mother's Day card in your local drugstore, right? She got to do you, boo, right? Like she tries to do what's best for her, what's best for her son. She, she tries to do the thing that she just feels would be best in this situation. She utterly despises God's faithfulness. Believers, when you're family, I'm not saying that you have the seat at this level or that you've suffered murder, right? But I am saying that in your families. Is there a time when, I don't know, maybe a will wasn't written the way that you wanted it written, and you feel cheated, and so now you feel jealous and angry and frustrated, and you live in those feelings? Your actions are a result of those feelings towards whatever family members you're um, acting however you're acting towards. Maybe someone's done that to you. Friends, I don't know what's gone on in your families, but I do want to ask the question, are you going to trust your feelings, or are you going to trust in God's faithfulness, are you casting all your cares on Him? Or uh, this might be a litmus test for you. So <clears throat> let's just pretend that you have a family member that you think maybe, maybe you're trusting or you're living out of a specific feeling, maybe a very sinful feeling, right? This might be a litmus test for you. Maybe after you've interacted with that family member, maybe then you go and it like raises your heart rate and your blood pressure and you're really frustrated. Then do you go over here and trust something very innocent like doom scrolling through social media? Do you just hop on Insta, Twit, Bookface, Twitter chat, right? Like just swipe and swipe and swipe until you don't remember what you're frustrated about. Or maybe, very innocent, maybe you just log into like Netflix, right? And you just catch up on the series you're behind on. Maybe it's something that seems innocent but is terrible. It's like this dysfunctional relationship that you run to every time you have this issue with your family. You run to this dysfunctional relationship where you get to experience the same pain you experienced in your family here. You get to experience it even more in this relationship you found. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you run to a substance 
and you use that substance to try to make the feeling go away because you're, you're just trusting and living in that feeling when all the while God is ready to comfort us. Are we trusting our feelings or God's faithfulness? Our last mother, if you want to turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, a bit of background on Jochebed. Um, <clears throat> she was pregnant in the wrong time at the wrong place because there's a new Pharaoh in town, and new Pharaoh doesn't know Joseph or his family, and new Pharaoh um, is, in fact, very threatened by both the number of Hebrews in Egypt and their strength. So new Pharaoh, um, I don't know, do you think he trusts his feelings or God's faithfulness? He decides to murder all the babies, right? He just murder them all, right? We'll take care of this problem now. We're going to murder all the babies. So that is the situation into which we find Jochebed. And I'll read from NIV for you, and it'll be on the screen as well. I want to read 1 through 6 first. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, Jochebed, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him. She coated it with tar and pitch, and she placed the child in it, put it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. Then the Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds. She sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now, Jochebed's not looking to just avoid a difficult situation, like, oh gosh, motherhood's going to be hard. I'll get rid of my baby, right? Jochebed is trying to make sure the baby lives. So she trusts God, God's faithfulness, instead of her own feelings. She puts her baby in a basket because the cries are too loud to ignore. Remember, the result of those cries would be murder of the baby, right? So this isn't joke bed trusting her feelings. I don't think any mother feels like putting her baby in a river. She chooses to trust God's faithfulness. I'll finish Exodus chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older... She took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Jochebed, in her faithfulness, in her trust, in her courage, in her not really knowing what's going to happen, chooses, in spite of that, in spite of what the culture might say, she chooses to trust God's faithfulness and places her baby Moses in a basket. And then what does God do when she decides to trust his faithfulness? God then delivers to her like payment for taking care of her own baby. Then she has to trust him a whole second time. She has to give him away a second time. I can't imagine having to give your child away twice. 
Jochebed trusts God's faithfulness, though. And as a result, what does God do? He takes Moses and he redeems an entire nation. All of the Hebrew people are saved and they are connected back to God in relationship with him, saved from their slavery life because Jochebed decided to trust God's faithfulness. So friends, I don't think we're too far off the point here, are we? Like, what are we holding on to in our feelings that God could redeem if we would trust his faithfulness? But he's never going to be able to redeem it He's never going to be able to take our dark spots and create glory for himself because we're holding on to those feelings. We're refusing to trust his faithfulness. What is God waiting to redeem in our lives when we choose to trust his faithfulness? Now, quick disclaimers. This doesn't mean that we don't grieve. I do not mean that you should stay in an abusive relationship. I do not mean that you should put your spouse who has a gambling addiction on your checking account. They also should not have your credit card. I could go on, right? There are some things that are like, they're highly illegal, and then you should not help your spouse continue to do those things, or anybody else for that matter, right? What I do mean is that when you have a crossroads, when you have a a decision, whether it feels like it's a big life-changing decision or whether it feels like a decision where I'm going to reflect on this and wonder what I did. Are you in that moment choosing to live out of a feeling, whether it's a dark spot in the past, whether it's a fear of the future, whether it's just a really stressful moment today, are you choosing to trust your feelings to live your best life now or to do you, boo, like to follow your heart? Are you trusting that or are you going to try to trust God's faithfulness? I don't know everyone's situation, but I want to invite you to bow your head and to consider uh, just a couple of scenarios, but to ask the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to your heart this morning. Maybe you faced a tough childhood, maybe a rough family, maybe just a rocky spot, maybe a past that you're ashamed of, an uncertain future. Maybe it's suffering that you don't understand and it feels super painful and you want to live in that pain that now you've got to decide, can I trust God's faithfulness? It may be that he redeems that pain in such a way that like Moses, you can become a way to the Lord for others. Maybe it can be a way that You understand mourning at a level that others don't, and they now can mourn with you, and you mourn with them. Maybe maybe we provide the comfort that God the Father has given us so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Maybe today you're finding that you're just joining Christ in His sufferings. Maybe you're finding that you're being tested. And you have the opportunity to bring glory to God by remaining faithful in the test. Maybe it's that the situation that you're in is utter darkness. There's darkness for you. There's darkness for family. There's darkness for friends. There's darkness at work. There's darkness at school. And you're surrounded by darkness. And you have the opportunity to reflect a great light to those who don't know Jesus. And that light will only reflect in that darkness because... 
you've chosen to trust God's faithfulness. Will you trust your feelings or God's faithfulness? Father God, please help us to see where you want us to trust your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.